0: Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, Church. Have a seat. Well, today we're going to look at the the final step in the Towards Christ pathway go. And back in ancient times, if you're... City was being approached by an invading army. You would send your army out to engage with them, a bit of a distance from the city, just as a bit of a means of protection. The trouble was, when you won the victory and you're all slapping each other on the back, they didn't know about it back in the city. So what they would do is they'd send a runner. There's a picture of me running (laughs) back. And the runner would go back with the good news of a great... Victory to the city. The name of the runner in in Greek was Evangelon, and the the message of the good news is called the Evangel. And the whole process was known as evangelism. And as you've guessed it, Christianity took on that, that military terminology. And we do the same thing. We use evangelism as the process of taking the good news of Jesus Christ, what he's done on the cross, that great victory back to the city to share it with the other people so that we all understand what he's done for us. I've called this the title of this message Go, Go, Unless You Get a No. I almost put a, a bit of a dance with it. Go, <laughs> go, unless you get a no. <laughs> to remind you. I won't do it again. But scripture is clear that this message is to, to go out. So we can do that with, with confidence. Uh, a little bit of a confession. In the past, I've shrunk away from evangelism messages, from hearing them. When somebody got up and uh, was saying, I'm going to talk about evangelism, I'd shrink in the seat a little bit, slide down. So I'm just watching for people that are sliding. And basically, I'd be thinking, oh, that's great. That's your kind of thing. I'm not into that. Really busy. I'm a school teacher. I've got a family. God knows I've got a family, and uh, I don't, don't really have time to do that. And what I was really saying was, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not sure how I'd go talking to strangers. I've spoken to students in chapel services and students in my class, but complete strangers. <gasps> what if I'm rejected? What if they? What if they don't like? What if they ridicule me? Who knows what could happen? It's a powder keg. Stay away from it, Fraser. But um, basically, I just didn't know how to go about it, Um, and so that's really what held me back. And then in 2012, I married Annette, and she had a wonderful, um, provided me with a wonderful father-in-law, Keith Wilson. And he's high octane, age of 19, he trained to be a teacher, went to Papua New Guinea, and started missionary and teaching work there, only white person in that particular area. Uh, The age of 74 last year, he said to us all, right, it's my birthday, get your cameras ready. Threw a cushion in the middle of the floor and did a headstand. (laughs) Held it until everyone had taken a a shot. (laughs) And then afterwards he said, oh, my neck's a bit stiff, that might be the last year I do that. I thought, oh my goodness, mine would be broken in three places by now. (laughs) So he's, he's high octane. And the males in his family generally don't live much past 50 they have succumbed to all sorts of things but he's doing such such good work he's been evangelizing he'll go to shopping centers or he'll knock on doors every single day since 2001 365 days a year for nearly 20 years and finally I had my break and I thought I've got to tick this box I've got to get it off off my chest um show me how to do it let me go with you and he did. And I thought, I can tick the box now. The problem was I got hooked on evangelism door to door. And I can't stop. And coming to church, to me, feels like breathing in <gasps> all the goodness, <gasps> all the good stuff. And then evangelism's like <sighs> breathing it out. So, <clears throat> out, <clears throat> out. And when I don't evangelize, when I haven't evangelized for a while, I, I usually do it just in the school holidays. But it's like I'm... <clears throat> Can't release it and I can't take more breath in because I haven't let it out it's just become a vital part of me praise praise God so today I want to share a little bit about my journey with evangelism I'll give you a few verses I know it's theology 101 so I'll go quickly through those maybe suggest an idea of how to start some little anecdotes with you and next year we're, we're looking at running a an evangelism course at Macquarie. So if you're interested, if you want to tick that box ha ha, you're going to get caught. Um, please sign up for that. The heart lock. I'm a simple person, I'm very visual and this is it for me. The human heart is a lock. The only key that will open it is the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done on the cross. The only person that can insert it is a Christian. The only person who can turn it is the Holy Spirit. Human hearts are locked. The only key that'll fit it is the gospel. The only person that can put it in is a Christian. The only person that can turn it is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely vital to evangelism. It can't happen without the Spirit. And when people say to me, I just don't get God, I, I think about what He does and what He requires, and it having a God over the universe that created everything doesn't make sense with my head and that's the problem people try to intellectualize God but if you want to grab oxygen you can't do it with your hands you use your lungs that's the right instrument for grabbing oxygen and we can't understand God with our brain it's to do with the spirit and that's why the Holy Spirit the person of the Holy Spirit is so vital in this process of evangelism right tool for the right job as my dad would say i think i slipped skipped a slide that's all right i'll read it off there there we go i've got them all mixed up that's okay the next slide please i'll just read it off there it's a gift why should we share the gospel Jesus calls us to lose our lives for him and the gospel. So Mark 8.35 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and the gospel, there's two things. We often gloss over that. Whoever wants to lose his life for me will save it. But it says for me, it doesn't say end my prayer ministry or for me and my healing ministry. It's for Jesus and the gospel. Those two aspects are so important. And I love this verse from Philemon. This is verse 6. This is Paul talking to Philemon. I pray that you might be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I'm going to read it backwards. Do you want a full understanding of everything we have in Christ? Because I do. And there's a list here in Philemon but there's only one thing on the list. If you want that full understanding, you need to be active in sharing your faith because it's in that environment and then toing and froing and wrestling with another person that they might capture it, but your understanding goes really, really deep. I'll share a quick story. Back in 2010, I um, had a Year 7 core class and I, I shared the, the message of the cross and one of the students... I call him Igor, said to me, I don't get it. And I said, what don't you get? Batman. And I said, Batman? He said, yeah, well, not really Batman, but Bruce Wayne when he was a little boy. And he's with his dad and they come out of the movie theater and they're confronted by the gunman in the alleyway. And Bruce Wayne's dad pushes him behind him and he takes the bullet And little Bruce Wayne goes off and becomes Batman, starts in a life of um, crime fighting. I said, so what? I, I don't understand. Well, sir, when you talk about God and his son, it's like the opposite is taking place. The devil kicked off sin in the garden, which is like a gun to God, and God's response wasn't to take the bullet. It was to push his son in front not behind in front and you tell me God is a loving God and you tell me that I'm a child of God I don't want to be the body shield this was a stumbling block for this year seven student he just said sir it's all backwards and I said well you're right it is backwards because it's God And whereas we'd be going, who is going to be the victim here? In God's economy, he knows who the victim is. The victim is the one so filled with anger and fear, they can see no other recourse but to threaten the life of another person. That is the victim to God. And whereas I have an only child, Ben, my response would be, how do I stop my child from dying? God's response was how do I use the death of my son to create a space where that person can choose to lay down that gun one day and receive forgiveness? How do I use the death of my son on the cross to restore relationship with my people? And that removed the stumbling block for that student. But for me, I received a fuller understanding of the depth of God's love, of the depth of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. If someone came up to me and said, go and relate Batman to the cross, I have no idea. But wow, that was a stumbling block for that student and it certainly deepened my revelation Number two, Jesus' final words before his ascension were about spreading the gospel. And this is on our vision statement, Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. So this is last words as he's ascending. And the last words are usually the important things because you want it to stay with the person. And I like to play, what, what did Jesus not say? So as he's going up, oh, be good to your mother. Don't forget to pray. Lots of prayer and go into your prayer closet and do that regularly. Got to serve good coffee at church. People will stay for good coffee. He doesn't say that. He says, go into all the world. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Tell them about the great victory that has taken place. They were his last words. And of course in Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's vital to have the Holy Spirit with you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's important for us to look at what evangelism isn't. Here's the first isn't and some of them are a little bit surprising. Evangelism is not the winning of souls. Winning souls is a fruit of evangelism But it is not evangelism per se. Evangelism cannot be the winning of souls because in the parable of the sower, Jesus points out that three of the four soils in the end were unfruitful. You can go back to the city, tell them about the victory, they may not connect with it. You've still done it. Evangelism occurs when the gospel is communicated to another person irrespective of what the outcome will be in that person's life. Your job, stick the key in. Holy Spirit's job, turn the key. Otherwise, we're setting Christians up for failure. We send Christians out to evangelize and they come back, it didn't work, I failed, I let God down. No, you didn't. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. Stick that key in. So we don't have to be high-pressure salesmen. It takes the stress off. So, do you accept Jesus? Ah, oh, Mike. I won't think about it. Don't think about it. Now is the time. Look at that bus. It's coming. What if you stepped in front of the bus, got slammed? That's it. It's too late tomorrow. We don't have to worry about that. It's not up to us. It's between God and that person. And that means we avoid the risk of watering down the gospel just to get a response. Get the response quick. Then we can fix up the problems later. We don't have to give them the full extent of what it will entail. Second, evangelism is not every activity which brings an unchurched person closer to the point of conversion. Things like prayer, fasting, intercession, acts of charity, visitations, Christian counselling, generosity, living a life of integrity, worship, friendship, a powerful testimony, are all wonderful and essential things. And we wouldn't have church if we didn't have that stuff. And we probably wouldn't hang on to people if we didn't have that But by themselves, they are not evangelism. And the danger of calling them evangelism is that we do not go on then to proclaim the gospel. We're in sin. This is the way out through Jesus. This is what you have to do. I remember when I first became a Christian and I thought, great, I'm going to evangelize. How do I do that? Don't know how. Catholic op shop. Shot to a Catholic op shop and said... I imagine the person behind the counter was highly spiritual and I thought they'd celebrate, the group hug sort of thing. i go, I just became a Christian. I need a cross. Get me a cross. And she said, ooh, do you want the one with the little man on it? And I said, he got off, didn't he? Let's leave him off. I'll get the one without him on, on it. And I got the bumper sticker that said my, my boss is a carpenter and I thought, I'm evangelising. I'm doing it any moment someone's going to come my way, they've had a really bad morning, stepped on the cat on the way out and uh, got their legs slashed up, they'll see the bumper sticker and they'll just come up to me and say, tell me about Jesus. (laughs) Or somebody at work will, um, something's going on in their marriage and they'll see the cross and they'll go, tell me about Jesus. Uh, I was there, I was ready, the marketing um, had all been done, (laughs) it's just a matter of sitting back and waiting for it to happen and we need to be careful about waiting for God to do it all himself. And, he, and he, we've seen it in Muslim communities where Jesus has connected directly to individuals, but that doesn't release us from the requirement to evangelize. Number three, evangelism is not a process, as you've probably worked out. It's not a drawing closer to, to God, it's an event within that process when you actually proclaim the gospel. You're in sin, this is what Jesus has done. This is the way out. And fourthly, evangelism is not to be equated with miraculous healings. And just go to my last point there. The important thing is that people come to Jesus. That's the ultimate healing. We can heal someone of malaria this year, but they may die of a heart attack the next year. Are they in the kingdom? Do they have eternal life with God? That's the important thing. Not the temporal fixes. Again, they're so important. Healing ministries are absolutely vital. But if we read Matthew 7, 21 to 23, Jesus actually tells some people, go away from me, I don't know you. And their response was, but we heal people in your name, we cast out demons in your name. And he says, get away, I, I never knew you. I didn't have that relationship with you through the cross. And all that other stuff means nothing without that. That is the core, that is central to what we do. So, what is evangelism? And these are the three things, whether I'm sharing on the street or whether I'm sharing door to door, these are the three points that we must hit why we must be saved, how Jesus can save us and what we must do to be saved. So we'll deal with these one at a time. (coughs) Why must we be saved? And this is the major stumbling block for most of the people out there because they don't understand they're in sin. That's nice, Jesus died on the cross for me. Didn't have to do that. And we have to unpack why. We know from from Psalms that... um, we were in our mother's womb, that we're in sin. We're in the line of Adam. We were born into a sinful line. It's just in our nature. And the way I draw that out is I I say to them, look, God is perfect. I don't use the word holy. works better out there in the community using the word perfect. God is a perfect God. Unless we are perfect, we can't be with him. It's like matter and antimatter together. And Adam and Eve, when they felt into sin, they were removed from the garden because they'd be toast. They need there needed to be a separation. And so I'll say things to them like, have you ever looked at somebody with anger in your heart or lust in your heart? Or have you ever gone to work and you're ten minutes late and you didn't rush to the accountant and say, Doc me ten minutes, I've been late. Or have you ever called home on the on on the phone or or had an extended conversation or brought some pens home from work and started using them at home. I've never done that. (laughs) And they'll go, yeah. And you can say, well, see, I'm in sin and you're in sin. We don't have a perfect record. We need a perfect record if we're going to exist with a perfect God. Number two, how can Jesus save us? And again, I know this is Theology 101. Out of God's amazing love for us, he did something for us which we could not do for ourselves. Because of his death and resurrection, we can be legally forgiven by God. We can be set free from the power of sin over our lives. We can escape God's wrath. We can receive the gift of eternal life. Basically, Jesus came to earth and he he led the perfect life as a human. And he made a way for us to receive that perfect record from him our imperfect record's gone we get the perfect record from him we can now be with a perfect God the way it was intended in the beginning I mentioned before um, another stumbling block was why can't God just let me off the hook he's God after all you know backstage pass just open the curtain a little bit <coughs> get in while no one's looking and I have to talk to them about justice And this is what I do. I I say to them, imagine the, the person you love most in this world. Now, this would be terrible, but imagine they were murdered. The person who murdered them was caught by the police and goes to the judge, goes before the judge, and the judge says, you have committed this heinous crime. You are guilty, and you deserve everything that's coming to you. But you know what? I'm a loving judge. I'm feeling good today. I'm going to let you off. How would that make you feel? And most of the time people would say, "Oh, I would be outraged. Why would you be outraged? Because justice hadn't been done. And justice is important. Justice is important for the victim of a crime in a secular world, for the victim of the crime so they feel this closure and they can move on. It's also important for the perpetrator, "I've done this terrible thing, but I've paid the price. I can now re-enter the community. Again, justice is just and God is a just God. And I'm so glad that he dealt with sin that way. He didn't just band-aid the situation. Fraser, um, your, your soul is blemished. Let's just put a bit of a on it. It'll probably last a few days. Don't get it wet. I want my sin to be dealt with once and for all. I needed someone to ditch the evidence so I could get back in relationship with God and Jesus' blood washed it all away and I have that perfect record and I can be with God. Number three, and I know this is very, a very simplified version, what must we do? We must turn from sin and we must turn to Jesus. Two-part process. Turn from sin, turn to Jesus. And it's all or nothing. It involves every aspect of our life. Family, house, work, job, everything. We give our lives to Jesus. C.S. Lewis says, on the final day, there will only be two groups of people. Those who say to God, your will be done. And those to whom God says, your will be done. Those to whom God says, really? That's what you want? You don't want this? You don't want the offer of forgiveness? Your will be done. It's a scary thought. The next slide is um, a little data capture thing that I I use when I go door to door. So what I will do is I'll go to a particular area, usually with Annette's, um, Annette's father, Keith. I've been married to Keith since... 2012. Oh, Annette, I mean, and and Keith was the package deal, or Annette or something. And um, I've modified this a little bit over the years, but basically, the first six questions are an icebreaker, and I'll I'll put down house number, street name, whether they're home, their name, and my opening spiel is, "Hi, can you help me?" And I find Australians are really good at helping. So if you if you just want to check it out, go into services and say, um, "My car's got a flat battery. Anyone got jumper leads?" And you'll be smashed by people coming up the door to help. People genuinely want to help. It's a really good opener. Can you help me, please? I'm doing a two-minute survey on Australian spirituality. I'm not asking for any money. I'm not with any of the weird churches or anything like that. Just getting some information down. Would you would you like to help me? And and a lot of the time they will. Or, worst case scenario, they'll be polite in saying no. These are the six ice-breaking questions I have. Do you believe there is a God? Who do you think made this world? Have you heard of the word sin? What does the word sin mean to you? Do you believe in life after death? Who do you think Jesus is? Now, number one is always the clincher. Do you believe there is a God? And things can go pear-shaped a little bit after that question. And you get all sorts of responses. Some people will say, no, I went to a Catholic school. As if that's an answer. But <laughs> apparently it is. And you can get to know your communities. And, and some of them are like that, particularly with the older generation who grew up with the nuns and the, and the ruler and the, and the stick. I had an old fellow respond no to that first question. No, definitely not. I'm an atheist. This was out on the Tilligree track at Tenilba Bay and the fires had just come through and this was his property line and the fire had come right up to his property line and uh just as an afterthought prompted by the holy spirit i said man that came close look at that stop right on your fence line and he went yeah someone was looking after me that day (laughs) (laughs) and i went do you believe in god no i'm looking around at him and he's gone And a lot of the conversations out there are just simply connecting the dots. I don't believe in God. The guy in the sky is looking after me. Like that. But again, someone's got to go because they won't come. And it can be a simple connection like that. I was speaking last year to um, um, a young lady and we got to the word sin and she said, yeah, I know what sin is. And she gestured around her room and I thought, what am I looking for? Illicit drugs? Jason Donovan, Kylie Minogue compilation? <laughs> somewhere. And she saw the confusion on my face and she pointed to her kids. She said, no, my kids. My kids, that's my sin. My husband left me. And now I'm a single mum. There's my sin. And I said, no, that's not sin. That's, uh, just, you've been left alone and you deserve a medal. And... And she said, yeah, but I couldn't come to church. Imagine what people would say and think. And um, they'd point at my children and mutter things under their breath. You, you can't go to church if you're a single mum. Of course you can. But she was never going to come unless someone went and made that connection for her. I've gone through the whole message before and, and um, people have still rejected it. And uh, then I've started to talk about one occasion, I talked to, spoke about my faith in Jesus and they said, "I got faith. I've got faith too. A lot of faith. So much faith." And I said, "Okay. What do you got faith in? I don't know. <laughs> but there's a lot, a lot of faith. <laughs> Simple connection. But I find, and it, if they get through those six questions, then I say to them, number seven: Would you like um, a, a, a presentation about Jesus?" You don't try to see them. It's about Jesus. Would you like to hear about what he's done and what he said about time and eternity and forgiveness? And I would then go into another spiel. Around those three points, um, that we're in sin, what Jesus has done, and what we need to do to respond. But going door to door is really good at um, finding out about your community. And I made the point in the 8 o'clock service, if there's a Buddha in the front yard that's usually a really good sign. Initially, when I started evangelizing, I thought, oh, well, that's, they've, they've gone off on that way. But what I found is if there's a Buddha, nice and calm in the, in the front garden, there's someone inside going, ah, I've tried everything. The medication doesn't work. The exercise doesn't work. Nothing works. I'm going to Bunnings to get a peaceful-looking dude that doesn't look anxious. Stick him in my front yard and maybe it'll work. They're really open they they have a need they're open to everything including something that is spiritual sometimes they ask you in and um, they're just after a bit of a a bit of a fight this is what church has done to me this scripture actually says you find a person of peace jesus told his disciples you find a person of peace and you stop and you sow into them this isn't hit and run evangelism get them saved nick off If they accept the gospel, you keep going back and you feed into them and you share your Bible and hopefully connect them um, with the church. If someone is just after an argument, I stop it and I walk away, politely. The last slide... I just wanted to um, share a couple of resources with you. I can recommend Julian Batchelor's book, Evangelism, Strategies from Heaven in the War for Souls. And also, in speaking to Jesus, if you need a little bit of structure, you can go in hardcore and just go, Oi, what if you got hit by that bus? Where would you go, heaven or hell? And start your conversation that way. But if you want some structure to it, There are a few apps available, and the best one I've found is the G7 app. You can see at the bottom there. It just looks like a G with a 7, with a blue background. The Gospel in 7 Minutes. And as you can see, there's two buttons there, video. It'll just play the whole thing, or it can be interactive with Q&A. And it's really good to give you a structure, and particularly young people, they like the electronic side of things. It works really well. There's a wonderful couple, I don't know whether you know them, Dan and Sue Armstrong and they've got a wonderful ministry to um, Indigenous communities. They'll often come to Charlton Christian College and speak. I remember Dan spoke about 10 years ago. His Bible had disintegrated from lots of use and horror upon horrors he had to get a new Bible and say goodbye to the old one and he went to Kurong and uh, so much choice we are so lucky in this country and he worked out which version he wanted and he worked out red letter edition size font how much margin does that leave what does it do to the size of the bible and worked it out and then the wonderful Kurong assistant said now what do you want to bound in black leather white leather brown leather Got a nice burgundy, burgundy leather. And he heard God's voice. And God said, Shoe leather. I want my word bound in shoe leather. I don't want it to sit on the coffee table. I want it to go out. That spoke so powerfully to me. The days I evangelize are the best days. If I'm anxious or depressed or got stresses on in my life, they just melt away the focus comes off me it's on somebody else it's on God's kingdom it's away from Fraser's five day plan to eternity and I walk away from those, those days and most of the time I can't even remember what the concerns I had were that morning it has so strengthened my faith watching the Holy Spirit turn that key and seeing the light come on in people's eyes My faith will never waver as a result of sharing the gospel. Let's pray. Father, where it was necessary to communicate the message, but I'm aware that I'm facing in the wrong direction because this is the battlefield. These are all the troops and we know so well the victory that you won. This message doesn't stay in church it's got to go out it's got to go back to the city because there are people out there that don't know what has been won for them and while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed if you don't know Jesus this message is for you because I've been on the battlefield and you're surrounded by other people who have too and we can tell you with such confidence, you don't have to fear. You're not going to be overrun. You're not going to, you don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. You don't have to fear for your life. You can have eternal life with God. Because there has been a great victory. A great victory. His name is Jesus. If that's you and you haven't heard that message and you, it's time for you to respond. You feel that the key has gone in and you can feel the, the Holy Spirit ready to turn it. Just say amen after this, these words. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as a son of God, you came down from heaven to earth. You came from a perfect place to an imperfect people. And we thank you for living that perfect life, for dying for our sins on the cross, so that that perfect record could become our perfect record and we can be with the perfect God that we are always meant to be. Lord Jesus, we turn from our former ways and we turn towards you. We give you every aspect of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.